Hello listeners and welcome to episode 82 of They Think It's All Over, where we now have as many episodes as Franco Baresi had Italy caps, but I think we all know what the biggest success is. Yes, it's episode 82, and I'm your host, Tom, a.k.a. at ShirtFan, and who am I joined by this week? Yeah, great to see you, Mike. You sound really well, mate. And who else is joining this week? Good point, well made, and nice to see you as always, Scott. I'm Adrian Football Show Italia. And it's Adam at This One Kit. Absolutely seamless, as I'm sure you'll agree, and nothing untoward with that introduction whatsoever. But let's move on to today's show. As you can see, it's a bit of a punctuated effort, as I am going solo. But this week, me and Mike were very, very lucky to speak to a fantastic guest from another podcast called The Other Bundesliga. And this is a great one for those of you that like your development leagues, your future talents, and also some fantastic tidbits about footy kits. So really hope you enjoy it. Good stuff. For this week's feature, we are heading to the Bundesliga, but not that Bundesliga. It's the other Bundesliga. And if that's a bit confusing, luckily we got somebody who knows what they're talking about to help us with it. So welcome Tom Midler from the other Bundesliga. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm sort of one of three who run the other Bundesliga podcast, but I'm the one who's probably, well, certainly the one who's got the biggest interest in kits. So uh, I've been looking forward to this one. It's uh, really nice to be here. No, it's great. It's good to have you. It's good to have you. It's, and for anybody that's listening that hasn't listened to the others, other Bundesliga podcast, you have to get on it. It is, it's a great listen. The guys do an amazing job of breaking down the Austrian football and just helping you understand it a little bit more because it is definitely one of the, I would say, the more obscure leagues in Europe, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's got a nice balance of being a fairly uh, a bit obscure but sort of fairly high up the UEFA rankings actually like the teams are better than people think the quality of the football is better than people expect um it's a bit of a balance between really well supported clubs and amazing stadiums and then also in the top flight you've got some tiny stadiums with like scaffolding and the grounds that would suit you know, sort of third or fourth tier in England. Um, so it's a really nice blend, but it's very humble. The people don't earn huge money either. It's not some of that like top five league money. So the people you meet in the Austrian game are really nice. Um, and generally, yeah, very welcoming league. And we decided living in Austria, we wanted to make this sort of journey. We were going out to all the games anyway. We were checking out the grounds and we thought, why not sort of learn to love this league, learn to get to know it and sort of take other people or at least invite other people for that journey as well and kind of help people get to know it because there was nothing involved with Austrian football in English at the time. The clubs were starting to do well. Um, Just, you know, in the last six or seven years, there was an upturn in how they were doing in European football. And we thought, hey, why not be there to kind of, yeah, help people uh, have an inlet you know a way a way into Austrian football it's interesting you say that about European success and, and their increased success from the Austrian teams um so a year ago today I was at Stamford Bridge and I saw Red Bull Salzburg play against Chelsea in Graham Potter's first game so I'm here to celebrate that anniversary and find out a little bit more about all of the teams but like you said I was incredibly surprised by how good Salzburg were that day 
and just how many problems they they caused Chelsea. Yeah, they've been a very decent team. You know, they've got a tough job at the moment because they're one of those teams that sort of recycle players. I think I saw a list uh, only today, actually, and it was... I'm going to paraphrase it a bit because I don't know exactly what it was and I don't have the list to hand, but it was like European clubs in terms of sales output to um, to transfer spending over the last like five years, 10 years. I can't remember what it was, but Salzburg were third in that list. They've sold, you know, over 500 million worth of players or something and only spent about 100 million themselves on, on bringing in players over that period. So they were third in the kind of, you know, I don't know how much stock you can put into these things, but they're making a massive profit. You know, in that sense, they are the third most profitable football club in Europe. And they remind me a little bit of Bayern Munich. I know they've got the corporate side, which puts a lot of people off. You know, I fully understand that. The Red Bull thing is not particularly attractive. A lot of fans don't like that aspect of the game. But the thing that reminds me about Bayern Munich is that you sort of have to respect their success as well, because they're doing it with brilliant scouting and um, they've been ingenious in the way that they've sort of formed this network. And it's not just, you know, it's not just the cash that's making them the best team. They've invested the cash in uh, giving chances to young players. So they've become this brilliant springboard club. And every year they seem to deal with the loss of four, five, six good players. They bring in some 18 year olds and you think, Oh, they won't be as strong this year. And then inexplicably they're just as strong or stronger. So <laughs> it's really hard for them to go deep in the champions league, but um, it's nice to see them there nonetheless. Cause when we started the pod, they hadn't made the champions league yet. And it was a long history of always getting knocked out in the playoff rounds or in the qualifiers before against a series of kind of increasingly embarrassing opponents. But then they, finally made that break got into the champions league um won 6-2 on their first champions league game with erling Haaland like bursting onto the european scene and you know they haven't looked back since really it's amazing to think that they've they've had some of the players that they have come through that league because obviously you touched on erling Haaland then and obviously that that sort of like that that lineage isn't you know new there's there's a lot of high quality players like i mean i wouldn't lie to you i was having a little look myself before we recorded at some of the players that have come through even through uh, Oliver Bierhoff and obviously Sadio Mane was there. Um, there's the chap that plays at Liverpool right now, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his surname. You can have a go if you can tell yeah. everybody who that is. Dominic Szoboszlai, I think. It's, I don't know Excellent. Hungarian, but I think that's how you say it. <laughs> it, it sounded pretty much perfect. Um, but yeah, there's been there's been a good history of players playing in Austria, hasn't there? Um, even, I think, is it Leroy Sané's dad, Suleiman Sané, played, played there as well. So... It's not a new thing, but for anybody who doesn't know anything about Austrian Bundesliga, as well as your your Red Bull Salzburgs and so on, who are the other big clubs? Because they've kind of got a big five, really, over there. Yeah, I think you're exactly right with that. The big five is Red Bull Salzburg, the two Vienna clubs, the two big Vienna clubs. There are many more Vienna clubs, it must be said. <laughs> but Rapid Vienna and Austria Vienna, or Rapid Wien and Austria Wien, are the two big clubs from the, the capital in the top flight. There's Sturm Graz, who are doing well again now, um, one of the traditional giants of the game here. And then um, the fifth of those would be Lask at the moment. But they're a relative newcomer to making that big five yeah they're just kind of showing up in europe a little bit as well aren't they so i think they're a name people are getting more and more familiar with as well yeah and there's actually you've got a shirt behind you which i'll uh, mention there you've got vadc uh, so wolfsberg at adc their shirt and they've been um they've been fantastic in europe they're such a small club from a really small place and they've also been mixing it in europe a couple of years ago they got through the europa league group stages which even now just you know i can't remember exactly when that was but it was around 2019 2020 
And now it's unfathomable to imagine a club of that size already since the European reshuffle getting through the Europa League group stage. It, it's incredible when you look at the, the strength of the teams that are in that competition now. So they've done a really, really good job to be up there. You know, they've benefited from the, the boost in the league over the last 10 years or so. But if we stick with the big five, um, yeah, you're right. Lask, as I said, sort of the later one to, to join that big five, but they definitely look like they're here to stay. The two big Vienna clubs are kind of more traditional. Um, they've got big fan bases, but a lot of pressure as well, a huge amount of pressure. And I think what Lask and Sturm have been able to do is almost use the fact that they are not quite so big. They're not such big names that they don't have this like really long tradition, this really long history of, of always winning everything. And they've been able to be a little bit more maybe fleet-footed uh, off the pitch Um the way they've restructured their clubs, the way they've moved into sort of the modern era has been really, really good. And it's allowed them to be very, very competitive in a league which, you know, is not packed with uh, great talents all the way through. You know, there's, there's five five big teams, but to get back up into that top five, it is possible. But in Lask's case, they only got promoted to the Bundesliga again um, in 2016. And that was with Oliver Glasner, the coach who then went on to move to Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, won the Europa League with them. So... Glasner, um, a local guy from from Upper Austria, where where Lasker from, you know, he's done a great job there. He brought in this kind of three four three system. Lasker have carried on with that ever since. Um, Valerian Ishmael was man, uh, a man who took over then as well. One of the other good managers who's been at Lask. They've now got this new stadium. Um, they're playing in Europe again. They've been in the Europa League. They played against some some big big teams and it's really special for them they've kind of moved in terms of scale just completely differently they were in a tin pot stadium for the last couple of seasons um well for quite a long time actually they were out of the city of Linz in this tin pot stadium and now they've built a new stadium back in the city so they're really uh, on the up and that's just just really to mention Lask of the five There is an undercurrent of talent through the league that, that goes on elsewhere. You mentioned Glasner. I mean, I, I've seen he's an outsider to possibly be the next Germany coach in the, in the press this week. But you've also had players like Noah Okafor, who left Salzburg, has gone to AC Milan this summer. You have uh, people like Yusuf Demir, who had an ill-fated move to Barcelona, unfortunately, but was an incredible talent. So there is this undercurrent of talent in the league. Could you kind of pinpoint some of the potential future stars that are in Austria at the moment and we could see them make a big move soon. Yeah, definitely, because that does actually stretch. You know, obviously that's um concentrated towards the teams at the top, but it does go through the league as well. Um some of the other clubs are making good signings and, and bringing in talented players. Do you remember a couple of years ago VRC had Sean Weissman, they brought in this Israeli striker. He got the golden boot, banged in loads of goals and then moved off to Valladolid in Spain for six million, which in Austrian terms is huge, huge money. Um so other clubs are scouting and, and getting good players. A lot of players now go on loan as well. Salzburg and Sturm Graz especially seem to have uh, bigger squads now and they send out talented players when they're 18, 19, 20 to other teams around the league. But um, I, I guess looking at the teams with really good young talents worth mentioning, it is, of course, Salzburg who you can virtually pick anybody in that lineup, they've got so many talented young players. Um, Oscar Gloch looks really, really good at the moment. Dion Kameri, very, very good. I'll pick... 
to go into a little bit more detail, maybe Karim Konate, because Karim Konate, the Ivorian centre-forward, we're saying that maybe he's the Austrian-based uh, centre-forward who looks like the most complete centre-forward or potential, uh, to, you know, has the potential to be such a complete centre-forward, probably uh, more so than anybody since Erling Haaland left the Austrian Bundesliga as well. So there's definitely some big expectations on his shoulders, but he's surrounded by very, very good players throughout that Salzburg team. Basically, people don't go on as long <laughs> as they do um, at Salzburg. You know, elsewhere you might stay for a bit longer. Salzburg, you move on really, really quickly. I mean, Erling Haaland had such a short spell, given how much we remember him. You know, he had such a short spell. But at that time, a couple of years ago, it was Minamino, Soboslai, Huang Hee-chan and Haaland up front. And what an incredible Salzburg team that was. So you can look through. And uh, although you might not know the names as much, there is still... Uh, there's still a huge amount of quality there, but Sturm Graz have now moved into that frame and Sturm Graz are, are doing this job themselves where they're now really good at identifying players, paying very small amounts of money for them and then potentially even selling them on for, for huge money. We'll, uh, we know that Rasmus Holland who came through there, went off to Atalanta for, for really big money in, in Austrian terms, massive money, 17 million, I think Atalanta paid for him. And they got another 3 million out of the sale to Manchester United. So Hoyland was a huge success. And perhaps the follower in his footsteps now is uh, Shimon Vlodarczyk, who cost 3 million euro uh, from the Polish Ekstraklasa. And people in Poland were thinking, that's quite expensive. You know, I'm not sure this guy's got what it takes, but you get kind of time to bed in. People give you time. They take the pressure off a little bit at these clubs in Austria. They seem to be good at doing that. And now Vlodarczyk has started so, so well this season. I wonder if he'll be the next uh, big move out of the Austrian Bundesliga, the Polish striker. We'll see him in the Europa League this season. Uh, definitely one to watch. I, I love all this kind of information. And Mike, sorry, I know you want to go on to the kits, but I've just got to ask you, Tom, one more thing, because I was talking to Mike about it just before we started recording. And I did mention him brief, briefly, but I know he's an Austrian. Well, he was supposed to, to be the big Austrian hope. And it was Yusuf Demir. And of course, he was playing for Rapid Wien and then he ended up going on loan to Barcelona. What happened with that move? Because he's, he's not there now. Where did that all go wrong for him? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. And... Uh... A bit of a sad story as well, actually, with Yusuf Demir. So Rapid are really worth mentioning because they've have uh, they have a really good um, caliber as well of bringing through young players. They're struggling a bit at the moment. They can't really make an impact. You know, this is like the Manchester United of Austria. This is a club with a fan base that expect to be winning trophies. And they've got this really long trophy drought, which is like a decade and a half now. They can't win anything. They have been more affected by the emergence of Salzburg than anybody else. You know, a lot of other clubs expected or hoped to win trophies here and there, but it must really, uh, you know, it must really hurt that Sturm Graz have managed to win a couple of cup titles. Austria Vienna won the last league title that wasn't the Salzburg league title. And other than that, Salzburg pick up everything, but they've got so many good young players coming through so many exciting young players, especially in defense. They seem to be great at producing like young Austrian teenage defenders, but in terms of this attacking midfielder, we had Yusuf Demir. He burst onto the scene as like a 16, 17-year-old. He was like floating past players, gliding past players in the Austrian Bundesliga, uh, curling goals into the top corner, just playing wonderful football, really catching the eye, brilliant to watch. And in a way, it wasn't a surprise that he went to Barcelona. You know, it was surprised perhaps that they moved for him so early but he's been so unfortunate because he moved to broke Barcelona remember and I think it was a bit 
I've, I've lost a bit of respect for Barcelona. I'm not going to lie. The, the way they handled this, I think, was awful because this is a really young lad. You know, he's a, a hot prospect in Austria. They brought him in on loan. Fair enough. But they had that thing where it was um, guided by appearance uh, minutes. You know, his fee was supposed to be about 10 million. It was, it was rumored to be in the region of 10 million. And basically, he started off really well. I saw him play very well in some friendlies. Apparently carried on you know kicked on did really well um and i'm not saying he would have been a starting barcelona player you know in that season but he certainly had the potential to to really do well there but he got right to the edge of the cusp of the 10 million cutoff and barcelona basically just benched him and said well not even benched him they said look we can't put you in the squad because if we do it's going to cost us 10 million and we simply don't have it and when you're dealing with a teenager i think that's pretty unprofessional it's quite poor and they have to take some of this on the chin that it's really knocked him back now. Uh, he went out then to Galatasaray and just didn't get any confidence. Um, didn't he, he looks like he's been really affected by the whole thing. And I'm sure there's some difficulty with, you know, um, agents and advisors and things. And now he's just moved to Basel, but he is in serious need of a good season because, you know, this looks like it, it could be another one of those, just sad stories where players with massive potential and and uh, loads of interest, loads of hope, loads of people wishing them well. Yeah, if it falls flat at Basel, it's going to be a long way back because it's been a few years now since we've seen the, the best of, of young Yusuf Demir and now he's sort of nowhere near the, the national team anymore. Tom is right. I do want to take you to the kits, but there is more. One thing I want to quickly mention first, for anybody who plays football manager and they've managed in the Austrian Bundesliga, they'll know that they still do a split, don't they? Yes, uh, that's good that you know about that, actually, because a lot of people get confused and um, a lot of the kind of fixture list apps and things like that struggle to keep up with these things. It does make the stats quite confusing as well when it comes to sort of points per game and all these sort of things. So it's a bit of a confusing one. And uh, not knowing football manager that well, actually, yeah, I didn't know that they would have it either. So that's really good that they do. But yeah, we play a regular season here. It's a 12-team Bundesliga. So you play a regular season of 22 games that lasts after the massive winter break. The winter break here is longer than the summer break. So um, football starts again early and then you have this huge winter break because it's just too cold to sit in the stadium, basically. Um, and football down you know lower down the leagues just just can't afford under uh, under turf heating and that kind of thing. So um Huge winter break, then you come back and then you have like four or six games, depending on the fixture list, before the split. So it's really important that you start well um, at the end of winter, the beginning of spring, because the league splits then every year so far, it's gone down to the wire and it's been incredibly close between like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. And it makes such a big difference because if you're in the top six, you'll stay playing only against the other teams in the top six. So it's tough, but then you've got five chances out of six to get into Europe there. So, uh, you know, obviously five of those six teams get a European starting berth. And if you're in the bottom six, you're still sweating on relegation. Uh, just one relegation place here. But um, if you win that bottom six league, you can still get into Europe via the back door. But it's basically proved too hard for anybody to do it so far. Uh, we did have Hartberg a couple of years ago do a really good job. Um, you play against then the team uh, lowest down in the top group. You have to play a playoff against them just at the end of the season. And then after that, you play off again against another team. So you're basically making an extremely long, long way to get into the Conference League qualifiers. And then you're a mile away from the group stages. So it's uh, 
it's better to be in the top six, but we've had this <laughs> case where each year kind of, we've had the big five basically, and somebody's missed out from the big five. Somebody's had a bad season. They've not made it into the top six, but uh, the smaller teams who are getting in are still struggling to, to get up into Europe anyway. But it is an interesting format. It's a, a, an often criticized format here as well, because theoretically those last 10 games of the season that you have, the two times five, as you play off uh, down the, the sort of back straight of the season, as it were, those games are essentially worth more because those points don't get halved, um, whereas your regular season points get halved. So it keeps everything close together. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't like it. Well, I I do. I, I I'm a big fan of a confusing league format. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I like it. But to take us onto shirts, you did mention a particular team in there who, for me, are after following you guys on Twitter and, and listening to your pod a little bit, a kind of the benchmark for Austrian shirts now, and that's Hartberg. And you guys refer to something as the Hartberg scale when it comes to football shirts in Austria, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I mentioned them for a reason. I, I thought you might pick up on that. So Hartberg are a lovely team. They've got this brilliant, um, the, the president, the club president, Brigitte Anel, she's there. She she went a bit viral recently, actually, because she went over to the away section at a game against the VRC where we were there in Wolfsburg. And she walked up to the away section and was like stuffing 100 euro notes through the, the fence, through the gates of the away section um, to, to like pay for their beers, basically, for, for coming to support the club. They're such a cool club. And now it's her birthday. And on the game, um, on the weekend coming up at the time of recording, she has promised free beers for all the home fans and free beers at halftime, the away fans as well, just to celebrate her birthday. She's always there like partying and celebrating on the sideline. She's sort of on the bench sometimes as well. She's great. But um, the club plays at the Profiatil Arena. So I don't even know exactly what it is, but it must be a kind of medicinal product about, you know, fertility. And they have this uh, quite, funny i guess sponsorship which the goalkeeper shirt says sperm booster on it and <laughs> it's got a picture of a sperm and everything and it, it, it is like as ridiculous as it sounds but it's one of about 14 i think 13 or 14 sponsors on the front of the shirt it is full you know it's absolutely full and you have kind of collarbone sponsorships in austria you've got sponsorships on the shorts like sports sponsorships um all over the shorts and everything sometimes up the socks on the sleeves it's it's a symptom of the the kind of disparity of, of wealth between the Austrian clubs. You know, a club like Hartberg, they'll take anything that, that they can get. They'll take the money and, uh, you know, you can't criticise them for it. You've got the Wolfsburg shirt behind as well. Their main sponsor, RZ Pellets, you know, massive, massive sponsorship. They have to change it for Europe. So the European shirts come out with these like really nice, like slimmed down versions with just one sponsor on and they all look really smart. But our Hartberg scale is basically a scale of... Um, it's like an opposite scale of how much shirt space is taken up by sponsors. So, you know, a Hartberg scale being Hartberg is like 10 out of 10. And then when you've got like an absolute blinder of a shirt with no sponsors on that, that would be kind of a naught out of 10, I suppose. But um, it is quite funny, the differences between the teams, because, you know, like Rapid Vienna and stuff, Austria Vienna, they could probably do with a bit of extra cash as well. But just, you know, for, for the sort of the legacy, the traditionalists, they like they can't do it, basically. They just have one sponsor. They, they can't do it, um, even though, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they must be tempted. But they do have a weird thing where each 
team are allowed one alternate sponsor on a match day. I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, you'll see Salzburg. Obviously, they've got Red Bull as their shirt sponsor, but one player will be sponsored by Rauch, which is like the um, soft drink, uh, one of the soft drink companies as part of the Red Bull branding. And you're sort of allowed to have this one player. They tend to go with either like the captain, um, yeah, the biggest player, or for Red Bull, they tend to do it as like their young star. Um, But they're allowed to have a different sponsor, which is, I guess presumably not something which other leagues allow. I love that. I, that was a fact I wasn't aware of. I don't know if you did, Mike. So, so can you buy that as a fan? Can you buy the alternate sponsor version, even if only one player has it? That is a very good question. That is a really good question. I don't know, because it would be technically wrong. You know, if you get, like, I'm just thinking of Rapid Wien a couple of years ago, their captain, uh, Stefan Schwab, was a very popular player. So if you buy a Stefan Schwab shirt, did you get Wien Energie as the sponsor? Or did you get the other sponsor that he had? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to check that out and get back to you. I'm not sure you can do it. <laughs> that That's the shirt nerd coming out in Tom straight away that the first question he asks is, can we buy that with that alternative sponsor? <laughs> yeah, because it would be wrong if you can't. You know, Technically, it wouldn't be right. It, it wouldn't represent the, the official, um, yeah, the official way it was worn that season. But maybe I'm sure the bigger clubs have, a, have an option to do that. But, well, yeah. I say I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I think I I think I've only heard of this because I think I might have seen something go viral about a player having a different sponsor, and people were kind of trying to put two and two together as to why. And there were people saying, "Oh, it's because he's a youth team player and he can't have this sponsor on his shirt." And I think you might have just solved the the problem there and and gave us the answer as to what that was, which is I think that's really interesting. We'll definitely have to dig out some pictures of this happening to share with people but we're, we're talking about the kits then so obviously for anybody listening you are wearing a casino salzburg adidas template uh from the mid 90s maybe 96 i think um and it's a beautiful looking shirt so i'm guessing that must be one of your favorites what what other clubs and shirts in general are you a fan of um within austria or or can i move outside of austria too <laughs> start start in austria and then tell us what else yeah. you like <laughs> um yeah good point so there's there's a few actually i've got quite a, quite a nice little collection going on um i'm always interested by the the intricacies the differences I, i'll just like pan down a little bit here see the casino salzburg one i've got here has got the the um horizontal sponsorship very large horizontal sponsorship but it's usually slanted and i've never seen another one with this horizontal version and i can't even find a picture of it so i don't know where it's come from um i, I don't know what the, the story is behind that so if you know that or, or one of your listeners knows I, i'd love to find out because because i'm actually not sure but um there's been some some great gets, kits through the years uh an interesting kit thing at the moment is that lask are often playing in pink shirts which is a nod to their sponsor, uh, one of their sponsors, uh, BVT, which if you know your Formula One, you'll know there was a whole pink Formula One team a couple of years ago because of BVT, this uh, Besser Wasser Technique, I think it is. So it's like a water company. Um, and when Lask were, were first in European competition a couple of seasons ago, they were so keen to be sponsored by BVT, which is not their main shirt sponsor, um, that BVT actually signed up to become a kit manufacturer. So they've got all the paperwork as if they're like Adidas or Nike or, or even, you know, like Yakko or one of these things. They have did all of their paperwork to become a kit manufacturer so that they could be the kit manufacturer for, for Lask's European shirts. So they've got this little BVT 
um, where the where the kit manufacturer should be, but but they're not really a kit manufacturer. There's no way they made those shirts themselves, so they were trying to get around the rules there. But to uh, to stay on topic, I'll go back to some of the shirts I like the best. And around the turn of the millennium, there was a club called FC Tyrol. Uh, a little-known Joachim Löw was the coach of uh, FC Tyrol when they were winning Bundesliga titles. And they've never heard some... of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Um, obviously, went on to to great things. They've got some fantastic shirts. Um, big big sponsors. Uh, they've got some of these these good like late nineties, early two thousands Nike templates with the kind of um, big sort of chunky I don't know chunky stitched badges and stuff. Uh, really like really like those. And they've got a nice green dark green colorway, um, which I think is always good. There's a lot of purple and white in Austria. Loads of teams playing in purple and white. And some of the classics. Uh, one of my favorites. I've got a late seventies um, Austria Vienna shirt where back in those days, they only had the shirt sponsor. I don't know if other countries were doing this, but they just had these like massive felt shirt sponsors, no club logos or anything like that. So it's just got a little Adidas logo. You've got the the nice um, Adidas stripes on the sleeve where they're kind of sewn on top in one, you know, one like strip, um, which I always think it feels quite nice. And yeah, just this massive sponsorship for... Um, a cigarette company, uh, Memphis. So <laughs> they're, they're kind of ugly in a sense, but but lovable in a way too. Um, that, that's so seventies that shirt, the cigarette sponsor and all. It's, it's yeah, seventies, so isn't it? <laughs> can you imagine fans? I mean, they didn't really sell them in those days, but can you imagine fans walking around in that? You know, it's just like a, a big bloke with a huge cigarette sponsorship on the shirt. It's just <laughs> it all fits, doesn't it? You know, pint in hand at the game, cigarette sponsor, no team logo, no team crest, but no, it's all. It's all good. <laughs> I have to admit, just looking at the kits from this year, you mentioned Tyrol. I think their away shirt this year is possibly the best in the league. It's like a green, green hooped uh, effort, white and green hoops. And then in the white hoops, it's got another kind of geometric pattern. I think it's really, really fancy Puma, a Puma effort. Um, I'm glad you picked that one out. VSG Tyrol, they're a bit of a controversial team because they're actually from Vattens. So they're kind of the rivals of the club who I mentioned before that were FC Tyrol football in, in ah. Austria is crazy because loads of teams like go out of business and things and have gone over the years out of business. You had like Tyrol winning the league, going out of business, Giacar and Graz winning the league, going out of business. It, it is ridiculous how often that's happened and how confusing the histories get, but Vattens can't play in Vattens um, because their stadium is not Bundesliga fit. So they play at the Innsbruck Stadium, in the Tivoli Stadium in Innsbruck, which was built for the Euros in 2008. Um, it was the home in the Bundesliga of Vaca Innsbruck, who are obviously much more well-supported in the city of Innsbruck. Um, so I feel a bit sorry for Vattens that they can't play at home. But you're right. I think that's. I also think that is the best kit in the Bundesliga this year, the VSG Tirol away shirt. A couple of years ago, because of their uh, former owners and sponsors, Swarovski, the crystal company, they had, um, they had like shiny crystal uh a number a number set of like shiny crystal reflective material which was awesome as well the austrian bundesliga is an absolute hotbed for kit stories <laughs> and information that i was not aware of so i'm re i'm really enjoying this <laughs> i love it that's Swarovski shirt i have to go and find that mike yeah, definitely. I, I I just would just throw mine in. I'm actually a big fan of the Lask home shirt. Um, so sort of like it, it's it's a really bizarre one because it's split in two to have half stripes and half plain, and then with yellow sleeves and in perfect Austrian fashion, covered in sponsors. 
So it's yes. it, I'm a big fan of that, and and the pink away is is good actually. To be fair, and I think hopefully we'll all we should all see that uh, in the Europa League. They're in Liverpool's group, aren't they? They are in Liverpool's group. You will see that, I'm sure. The fans absolutely hate it because it's like a sponsorship <laughs> takeover of the club. There will be protests against it if they wear it. But you're right. I, um, actually, it didn't really strike me how odd that was that they've got half stripes on one side. It's like the three three black stripes on one side, plain and white on the other. Um, my girlfriend's from Lintz, actually, so the, where the club is from, and she doesn't like the the yellow on the sleeves, but it's because it's a sponsor as well. That's from the Raiffeisen Bank, um, but I quite like the yellow on the sleeves. It's good. They've had pink on the sleeves in previous years. I alluded to this pink from BVT, but um, they've had that. This, I'm just thinking of some other good kit stories because it would be wrong not to mention like Sturm Graz here. Sturm have had some great kits through the years. And there's one from the late 90s, one of their away shirts. Um, they were winning titles around that time as well. I don't think it's from a title winning season, but it's kind of like a legendary secondary colorway for Sturm. Um, and I wish they would do like a nod back to it one year. I hope they, they do do that. But it was like dark blue and black stripes with um, yellow borders in the middle. So yellow piping between the dark blue and black. I think it might be their 97 or 98 away. Um, and that's that's one that I really, really love. And around that time, the owner of the club changed their crest from like the classic uh, black and white flag that they've got in a, in a sort of round emblem. And he just replaced it with one that looks like it was made on kind of Microsoft paint or what what was the what's that program back in the day you know like word art it looks like it's come straight from clip art or whatever and it's absolutely awful and again the fans hated it and i've even got one from a couple of years later where um they were they were phasing that out but they somehow didn't want to phase it out immediately so they've got like both crests on the one on the one shirt it's it's an abomination it's absolutely terrible but <laughs> it was interesting and to, to see them sort of go through that this uh this this very cheap looking escash durham badge and now they're thankfully back with the the classic round one the black and white flag but they share this confusion with lask in that both clubs are kind of black and white as their traditional color and that's actually uh, vrc have this as well as do altac and so it's four, you know, a third of the Bundesliga have this, where their club colours are kind of black and white, but they're they're like yet to make a solid decision as to whether the white or the black is the dominant colour. So some <laughs> years they've got like a home shirt in black, some it's in white, and I'm like, wait, is that going to be the away then? Because it's that colour, I'm, and I'm getting confused <laughs> often, like as to which one is the away, you know, and, and which one's which one's going to be the home. It's it's less obvious than you might expect. While you were talking there as well, I did go and Google that Swarovski Tyrol shirt with the name set. It is absolutely superb. And I've WhatsApped it to Mike. Mike, I don't know if you've seen it, but I, we are going to put I that everywhere because that's the best name set I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it, is, it, it, is, it is incredible. And also, you also touched on what is actually probably one of my favourite Austrian shirts of all time. And that is that Sturm Away shirt you were talking about. So that's the one with the... it's. Um, what's the sponsor? Is it like Punter Gamer or something? The sponsor that's on it, and I think it's a Puma shirt, the blue, yellow. Bl- yeah, it's it's an amazing football shirt, and I've nearly bought it so many times. But before we ask you the final question that we always ask everybody on this pod, I would like to just give you a chance to talk about some football that isn't Austrian. So, do you support anyone away from Austria? And have you got any favourite shirts that that aren't from the Bundesliga? Uh, yeah, definitely. I've got a pretty large shirt collection actually. Um, I'm a Coventry City supporter, so 
you know, I mean, I do a lot of work in football these days. I commentate a lot, which is something I really love doing. So I'm, I'm very neutral when it comes to football. I don't, I, you know, I'm not really like a, a live and die like football fan of, of Coventry anymore. Unfortunately, it's quite hard to, to sort of stay in touch with your team uh, when you live abroad. I, I know a lot of people who have done that and do that really well. And I, you know, have full respect for them. But um, Coventry is a, obviously a club with some great kit history. You know, I grew up, I think my first football shirt when I grew up supporting Coventry was um, the the checkered yellow and black or yellow and very dark blue, as it technically is, uh, Steve Grizovich goalkeeper shirt. And I still remember the big soft pads that you had on the elbows, you know, me as a, as a little kid diving around. I had the away shirt as well that year, the, the red and dark blue uh, squares, which uh, Chelsea famously had to wear when they forgot to bring their kits um, and that was sponsored by Peugeot. So I, I love those those Coventry kits. They they will stay in my memory forever. You know those ones. Dortmund in the in the other other Bundesliga. If you go up to to Germany, <laughs> it's been some great Dortmund kits. You know, I've one of one of the best ones in my collection. One of my favourites. I don't think I've got any shirts that are really worth huge amounts of money. But a big favourite of mine is one of the late nineties. I've got the ninety seven uh, Dortmund nike shirt you know with the sort of neon yellow decontinentale as the sponsorship um i just think those those are really nice shirts and i think 1860 munich had a really beautiful one in in this sort of very bright like highlighter pen blue color as well um around that time and then with leuvenbroi as the sponsor some shirts you know they, they're just sort of iconicized by a great sponsor and then i look at 1860 through the, the the 2000s and their kits were all horrible i thought in comparison <laughs> to that you know they couldn't live up to those days but um yeah i really like a lot of shirts and i mean if, if throw it throw a club at me throw a country at me and i'll say what my favorite one is but there's there's too many going around in my head for me to think about no i i, th- I think you've you you've definitely shown your your shirt nerd side uh, on the <laughs> today i think do you know what? I don't think there's a better way to end it, actually than to let Tom throw his his favourite question at you. And I think I, I got a feeling you're gonna have a good answer for this one. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, this is a good chance for you to to splurge some of those thoughts going around in your mind out. Because what we like to ask everyone is, we're going to give you the ultimate combination, your fantasy shirt selection, and that is you can pick any shirt from any club country nation any era and combine it with any player from any era club country and mash the two together so what would be your fantasy shirt player combination wow that's uh yeah that is a big one there's a lot going around in my head on that but one thing i haven't really mentioned tonight is uh, my love of japanese football so I've been a huge fan of Japanese football for many, many years. And perhaps my kit interest actually started, I think, like Euro 96 and then World Cup 98 was when I was first properly getting into football and kind of understanding what I was watching. Um, Before that, it was like Gazetta Football Italia. And I wasn't quite clear that Juventus were not Newcastle, for example. But um, World Cup 98, you had uh, Jamaica with that absolutely wonderful shirt and Japan with the, the flames on the sleeves. So I think it would be wrong uh, not to not to pick the the flames on the sleeves 1998 Japan shirts. Um, I know it's a it's a well known classic. It's a, it's a well uh, beloved classic. But I'll go for the 98 Japan shirt, and I'll go with a Japanese player as well actually, because uh, Nakamura Keito was in the Austrian Bundesliga playing for Lask. He was basically the MVP of the Austrian Bundesliga season 
last year. He didn't actually win that award, but for many people, he was the MVP. He's got a big move on now to play at Ram in France. A lot of other clubs wanted him. He nearly went to Liverpool. He's a lovely guy as well. I interviewed him for the other Bundesliga and he was just super humble, really nice, really good guy. And in the last few months, I think I interviewed him just after he'd made his debut for Japan. And in the last few months, he's really like kicked on and become a, a, a sort of first player uh, in, in the Japanese national team. And I'm, I'm just really happy to see him doing well. He's the perfect advert for the Austrian Bundesliga because he's used it as this brilliant springboard to kick on in his club career and his international career. He's brought in loads of money for Lask as well. Um, great player to watch. Really lovely guy. I'm going to go Keito Nakamura in the, in the 98 Japan shirt with the, with the flames on the sleeves. I mean, you didn't disappoint with the answer. I, I think I, I think that is incredible. I think you you also touched on one of probably my favorite international kit of all time, which is that Jamaica shirt as well. I love the fact that those two shirts came up against each other in that World Cup as well. I think that is one of the best kit matchups that World Cup football's ever seen. And it will be hard to beat that. But yeah, what can I say? What an answer. Brilliant. Before we sign off, uh, do you want to just tell everybody where they can find you on socials, where they can listen to your podcast? Because as I say, it's a brilliant podcast that I just implore anyone to just go and listen to. Yeah, I understand it's a bit niche for some, but it's nice that we talked about some of the great young players coming through because I think a lot of our listenership comes from outside of Austria. There is a, an element of people in Austria who like listening to English language coverage and just a bit of a different opinion, you know, a, a sort of an outside perspective on Austrian football. But most of our listenership comes from around Europe and in the USA as well. So it is people who are interested in getting to know, um, yeah, either supporting their favourite big teams or just really looking for the good young players coming through. Because if you're doing well, if you're scoring goals or or just putting in really good performances in the Austrian Bundesliga these days, the chances are you're getting to know players who are going to be the next ones to move to big European clubs and people don't know much about them. So it's that's a really nice sort of aspect, I think, for our listeners. The best place to find us will be on Twitter or X, as I can just about bring myself to call it. Um, we are at other Bundesliga. That is definitely the best place to find us. And our podcast links and everything are all on there. And we're around the grounds a lot. So there'll be loads of pictures and videos and, and just general, general, uh, you know, blog kind of content from our, our travels around Austrian football at other Bundesliga. Yeah. And I've followed you guys for some time now, and I can say that you put out some wonderful content with just with regards to the football, like say your travels it's yeah. Everybody go and follow you guys listen to the podcast it's brilliant and look, honestly tom thanks so much for joining us today this has been so so much fun it really has i we, I, I already said i'd love to have you on again at some point it was fantastic <laughs> thank you yeah thanks very much it's been uh, it's been really really fun i don't get to talk about kits very often and i've got that dilemma of working in the austrian bundesliga i basically can't wear any of the shirts that i've got ever i can't put them on any social things i can't put any uh, <laughs> pictures of me up with any of the shirts because people get annoyed you know people already think we we prioritize our favorite you know rapid salzburg lask you know we, we get criticism that we are biased towards every team which i guess is a sign that we're doing a good job at staying neutral but no it's been a real pleasure thanks very much for having me on and i'm very impressed actually as well by by both of you the, the knowledge you have of of austrian kits is uh, is already quite deep you know i would have yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd have just said, you know, let, let, let Tom talk about the Austrian stuff. But no, you guys, you guys knew it. So it's really, really good. Now, I hope you all enjoyed that feature as much as me and Mike did. It was genuinely fascinating. 
full of information that neither of us had known about before, in particular related to football kits in the Austrian Bundesliga. And I do love talking about future prospects and the leagues and where to look for the next superstars in European football. And also, we have a very exciting giveaway plans from the lovely chaps at the other Bundesliga who have somehow sourced us one of those WSG Tyrol shirts with the Swarovski name sets. Now, this has got to be the rarest shirt we've ever given away and one of the rarest shirts you're likely to see. And trust me, I know because I've been trying to buy one or find one ever since I heard about it on this pod. But we have one direct from the club to give away with a Muller Swarovski name set. And I can tell you it's an absolute incredible football shirt. So please keep an eye on the socials for that. And then coming up in the next few weeks, we have a brilliant feature with the authors of a book all about Ghanaian football as we talk the greatest Ghanaian footballers of all time. Can't wait to hear about you again, Michael Essien. And we also have another feature with the lovely chaps at Acid FC who designed the Leeds third kit as well as many others. And coming up, we have a news old boy special with the club and their English account and many more things lined up so please do keep an eye on the socials please keep sharing liking and commenting on on the posts and on the podcast we really hope you enjoy everything we're putting out and we will see you very soon ta-da oh almost forgot they think it's all over it is now